37 of the Winner's Circle Real Estate Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Adam Horth. And in this episode, we're joined by Kimberly Carpenter from Kerr Real Estate in Cobram, Victoria. Kimberly's a platinum badge salesperson, yet works in a very small area. And so the title of this episode is Small Town, Big Results. the podcast great to have you here thank you very excited the um we, we were talking just off off microphone there before but um a bit going on in your life at the moment so i do appreciate you you're taking some time to to be able to sit down and talk to us um about about real estate and what you what you find yourself doing day to day more than happy to as i say if i can help in any way i'm always here love it excellent um so some of our members got the benefit of seeing you in action, if you will, when we did a, a live sort of panel at one of our masterclasses last year in Melbourne, but uh, not everyone in the system would would know Kimberly Carpenter. So I, I thought we'd, we'd start off with some really basic real estate stats, if you will. So um, in short, where are you based? How long have you been there for? Give us Give us your real estate stats. Um, okay, so well, I'm based in Cobram, Victoria. Um, we obviously cover, we are on the border, so we cover into sort of New South Wales as well. So anywhere from sort of Cobram, Baruga, Tokemore and surrounding those areas. Um, I've been in real estate now approximately five years or coming up to my fifth year. Mm-hmm. Um, in the area itself, I I came in mid-primary school. So you said grade three, grade four. Um, um, obviously now I'm 28, so I've been here a little while, just off what we call a local, but not quite. <laughs> <laughs> Locals out, yeah, your grandparents have to be born in some places for you to be considered exactly, a local. So exactly. yes, yes, ah, yep. very good. And what brought the family to Cobram? Uh, so my dad pretty much got headhunted up this way for work, and we tried living sort of an hour away, and him travelling and commuting to work. It just got too hard, so we followed on up. Okay, excellent. Um, you're 28, five years in real estate. What were you doing prior to real estate? Um, so prior to real estate, I was actually in Bunnings. I was the activities organiser there, so I handled communi- community groups and um, sausage chisels, as everyone mm-hmm. knows them. Um, so, yeah, that was my my main job prior to that. And then previous to that, it was pretty much just a little bit of factory work, casual work at bars and, you know, your general servery, something like that. Yeah, right. And how did you find your way into real estate? How did that that sort of transition unfold? Um, so I'd been with Bunnings about four years. Um, I loved working there. What I was finding was I wanted to buy a house and I couldn't afford to. Um, right. One of the bigger reasons why I left Bunnings was purely um, monetary. Um, mm-hmm. Love my job. I needed to to set myself up and grow a bit more. Um, when I was looking for a job, it came up, and a few people said to me, "You'll be great at it, but don't do it because you know it's real estate." And I went, "You said no, so I'm going to say yes." <laughs> <laughs> I obviously applied. Um, 
went through the hiring process with Andrew. He also did the same thing, put no on the top of the resume with a question mark and I queried it. And okay. I as a challenge to prove him wrong. Yeah, fantastic. Okay. Did he ever give you that feedback as to why he had some some early doubts or what what do you think that 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 came from? Um, well, look, that was that was pretty much put on my resume the day he read it. So something in my resume, maybe he set ah, him up. Right. Um, look, I was quite young. He did sort of express that to me when I first went into the industry. Um and I think because I wasn't a um I didn't have the ground roots, I didn't have the family ties, I was more a Yarrawonga person rather than a Cobram person. I didn't know much about Cobram apart from the small community groups that I did have association with. Mm-hmm. Um and they associated me with Bunnings, not through anywhere else. As a local or anything. Okay, all right. Yeah. And, I mean, look, we'll we'll get into that in detail because, as I think I said before, but if I didn't, we've titled this episode Small Town Big Results, and that's what you've gone on to achieve is some phenomenal results, and we'll get into it. But so the listeners know, you are a platinum badge salesperson uh, within our system, and, um, you know, we want to talk about some of the subtleties of that, but we'll we'll get into into our into our main conversation. So, um, I we've got a field challenge that's come in, but I I wanted to throw a question at you if I can, um, you know, and it's good this being your your fifth beginning of a year in real estate now, and just sort of a question without notice, Kimberly. But how how do you sort of set yourself up for success if to have a good strong first quarter of the year? Um. Look, as as most of us do, we try and plan, but things always come into play. Um, obviously, as you're aware, I do have a lot of family things happening at the moment. Um, so, look, I guess in terms of my head, it's always going back to the basics. You know, if I'm dropping off the figures or if things aren't coming through, um, it's very much focused on get back to my ground roots, get back to my prospecting, get in front of people. You know, sometimes we get too busy. And people see us who are in real estate, who are, you know, on the market, they see my face, they see the properties I'm selling. But then, yes, they're going to be our future clients, but more those people that are just sitting there going, oh, you know, one day I might do it. I want to get back in front of them. I want them Mm -hmm. to remember me. Yeah, right. Okay. Yep. So it's reconnected with with some of those other people that you may not come into into contact with naturally day to day. Being yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. Yep. Excellent. So for you, uh, a positive launch into the year comes down to to getting it back in front of people, essentially. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Nice and simple. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Um, well, the field challenge that we've we've had set in, and, and for anyone listening, you can submit these field challenges via the website, which is just very simple the winner circle dot real estate it's got an opportunity for you to, to put it in there um put your name in your office there this one has come in as anonymous um we're always fine with an anonymous field challenge but we, we've also it's it's an open forum so please always feel welcome to put your name and your your agency there as well if you want to but um this is a bit of an interesting one so maybe this is why they've kept it anonymous kimberly but the, the question has been raised I've just kicked off the new year, but find myself not eager about the year ahead. I kicked some major goals last year, yet have nothing really on the horizon for this year. What should I do? So a number of things rattle around my head, but I'm going to handball that straight to you. 
if, if someone came up to you and asked you that question, what are some of the things that come to mind for you? Um, well, look, first thing I would probably do is look back over my year and be proud of what I have achieved. Um, obviously, you kick some big goals. So don't be afraid to enjoy that. Um, I mean, hell, <laughs> how often do we achieve big goals that might be either just out of reach or, you know, those sort of things. So definitely look at them and be be proud, be happy, and don't be afraid to celebrate them. Um, look, what I would personally do, and to be honest, I'm in a very similar vote, um, go back to the goals. Don't be afraid to bring some of your smaller goals back into big goals. Um, I've had a huge change over the last 12 months and what once upon a time were big goals I've had to change them. So my smaller goals have actually had to step up. Um, you know, I may not be looking quite so much at my dollar figures being quite as achievable, but I'm still setting what I classify as a reachable, comfortable area that I can achieve and then boot, like push or boost through that. Um, and then if I'm getting sort of stuck in that as well, like I said just previously about going back to the basics, getting back into, um, you know, getting in front of people, the more people I talk to personally, the more motivation I have. Um, If I have had a bad day, I'm not afraid to call an old client that I know absolutely adores me and go sit down and have coffee because they just pick me up and then I'm out the door again back in front of people. They can slam those doors, they can hang up those phones, but my old client has picked me up through that roof. Um, so I guess if you are sort of not too sure which direction you're heading, I guess it would be, uh, look, it, it's sort of one of those things that I would say it's okay to not know, but don't be afraid to look at your smaller things in life and mm-hmm. make them bigger, if that and makes make, sense. And make that absolutely. So make yeah. them bigger in terms of make them more the focus. So make sometimes, focus. yeah, it's you yeah. might have um, this person may have, you know, for example, they may have bought a house last year and this year their biggest goal might be to buy a new outdoor setting. I mean, I don't know. I'm just throwing something out yeah. there, but oh, it's, yeah, 100%. yes. And yeah. that was my goal as well. And I went rather than buying a house, I'm going to look at, you know, paying so much off that house or putting so much back into savings or, you know, okay, we're going to use the analogy of buying a house. You can't get much better than that at mm. all. Mm. Um, you know, that's what we live in. Maybe, maybe those bigger goals that you're driving towards that maybe are five years down the track, pick some smaller goals to work towards them or, you know, your day-to-day things. If you get up and you make those smaller goals and targets a focus I I mean I'm not I don't say everyone will do this but I find if I focus on my smaller ones sometimes my bigger ones just happen without me knowing yeah right yeah it's just those those small actions start to snowball and all of a sudden you're 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 kicking some some bigger it's it's funny though that um you know because it's not the question that that I ask I mean they, they sort of this person who's written it in has has framed it in the question itself referring to goals, but when they've gone, you know, I, I don't really know what I want to do for the year ahead, you've defaulted there, Kimberly, straight back to goals. Like, well, if you're going to be doing this, you've got to know what you're working towards, whether it's big, small, or otherwise, you've got to have you've got to have something in, in front of you. Yeah. And look, okay, even if you don't have anything in front of you, um, I mean, 
it's sort of hard. I'm a very much goal driven person. If I don't have a goal, I'm going backwards. Yes, yeah, it, it does. Um, absolutely. And I guess if you're concerned about not having any direction in your real estate career, um, don't be afraid to look at your personal goals as well. So, you know, is there something at home? Is there something in your personal life that you're sort of sitting there going, you know what, I'd really like like a new car or, you know what, I really want to do a trip overseas. Something that might drive you personally that you can then impact implement as okay well if I do xyz and I bring x you know said figure into my gear I'll be able to go on that trip next year or I'll be able to do this so maybe if it's more focused around I don't know what to do in real estate maybe Mm. bring it back to personal goals yeah absolutely and what can what can real estate achieve for you outside of real estate itself yeah Yeah. love it excellent and that's uh, i'll probably if if i can make two other small points on that you said one before which um sometimes you go out and you do the work and that in itself makes you feel better whether it's visiting that client and that's a question we often get asked is is what what comes first is it does the right attitude produce the right actions or do the right actions give you then the right attitude? And, and sometimes it's not really a horse and a, and a, and a carriage sort of things. It Sometimes the actions can lead the, the attitude and vice versa. So I think you're right there. If you may be not in the right headspace, you're not sure what you're doing. Sometimes the best you can do is stick your head down, start working and, and see how you're feeling and what direction you, you instinctively start to go in. So, um, but the other point I think as well is one of the great measures of a successful sales career, any career, but, but talking sales is longevity to be able to do something for a long period of time. And if you're going to do something over five years like yourself, over 10 years, over 20 years, you've got to understand not every year will be your best year. It, it just it, it just can't be. And if you hold yourself to that standard and you don't make it, you feel like you're going backwards. But another year, another two years, another three years under your belt of, of high performance, even though it may not be your peak performance, high performance there still um, should be should be recognised and appreciated. So there's that aspect as well, isn't there? Most definitely. And it's something that I guess over the last couple of years has definitely come to my foresight and my, you know, front of thought realistically, um, that what I have achieved over the last few years may not be in my next year or two because of the changes I have had at home. I've gone from a two income to a one income. You know, I've got to be home by a certain time. However, I've changed my whole evening schedule so that I can still do some work in the later evening at dark. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I, I have now restrictions that I didn't have 12 months ago. So I yeah. have to make sure that, you know, it's okay. I, I, I fully understand I may not bring in financially or the results that I had previously been doing. So I've changed my train of thought to doing um, what I know I can achieve and a little bit more. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Can I ask, and, and we won't go into into details there, but again, is let's talk broad strokes. You, you've had a big change in your operating environment over the last 12 months. And as you said there, went from two incomes to one. Um, I'm assuming you didn't give up your second job. You obviously had a relationship <laughs> change. Um, yes, correct. Tell me though, tell me, so they're, they're saying interesting that you said there, um, 
you, you now have to go home at a certain time and knowing you the way I do, I assume that that's animals related. Is that right? Correct. Yes. Okay. Yes. So talk about that for us for a second. Give us a bit of an insight into that, that operating environment and what, how that's changed for you. Um, so once upon a time when I was a two income household, um, with my partner at the time, I had the flexibility of going to him, look, I'm not going to be home until really late tonight. Can you, you know, mix up the horse feeds? I can feed them out at 12 o'clock at night. Doesn't matter. Can you just mix them up? Can you have the dogs, the cats, you know, everyone fed, um, and dinner on the table. Mm-hmm. Now it's very much, if I don't get to uh, run my eyes over my animals to make sure they're still standing and have four legs attached. Mm-hmm. I physically won't sleep at night. Yes. So I, you know, if they're not fed or, you know, I I'm getting home in the dark and I'm running out and I'm trying to, you know, put rugs on and off or whatever it might be. My stress level goes through the roof mm-hmm. and something that I tried to do it for a little while. And I went, that is not working whatsoever. Um, so I actually have changed it around that come sort of that and it, it's sort of against, I guess, what everyone sort of ideally would like. Um, but for me, it, it, it works. Um, I am making sure come six o'clock, unless I have a listing appointment um, or a buyer appointment, come six o'clock, I'm, or six, six thirty, I should say, mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. hopping in the car and I'm on my way home. Yes. I get home, I spend an hour and a half feeding up everyone, making sure everyone is settled in bed. I do a quick dinner myself if I haven't already pre-prepared one. Um, and then come 7.30, 8 o'clock, I normally head myself into my office at home and I pick up that phone again. I'm making my vendor calls. I'm, you know, making sure that everything's been put into the database if I've missed anything. Um, if there's any bookings or anything that I need for pest and building nine times out of 10, they're the stuff that I go, you know, I can do that sitting in front of a computer at home or on the phone to clients late at night. I'm going to do them, you know, from that seven 8 o'clock through to about nine 30, depending on, you know, if it's emails, I'll go all night, but phone calls, I normally stop around that nine 30. Okay. Okay. And do you think looking, so obviously, Technology plays a role in that. Obviously, as you say, computers and mobile phones, all these sort of things. But I, you know, I've been in this industry as long as I have to to have to be forced to go home. And I'm going to use the word forced. I'm not saying you are, but like, let's just use that word. Forced to go home at six o'clock to do certain things. There would be some people who look at that and go, well, if that's your operating environment, real estate's not going to work for you. Um, You've made it work. Can I ask a very honest question? Do you feel that if that was your operating environment when you started in real estate, that you had that hard deadline, do you think you would have made it in those early years or you've only been able to do it because you had some experience under your belt? Um, look, it is, it is one of those things that I guess if I had have had it as a operating environment, when I started, there's no way I would have been able to achieve what I have achieved. I sort of sit there and I go, you know, the amount of times I didn't leave the office until 8.30 was sort of an early night. Um, you know, if, if I, 
had appointments, there were times that I didn't get home until after midnight because I was putting a listing or a negotiation together um, through a sale. It's one of those things that, you know, having that support, whether it be from a partner or your family or, you know, whatever it might be, is so important um, or I found important, I guess, because in my world, my animals are my children. So, you know, I fully understand when someone goes, you know, I'm a single mum and I've got three kids. I'm like, yeah, I'm a single mum with animals. (laughs) So it is. It's that same level of of obligation and the same commitment levels. Like, as you say, you've got to make sure these things are alive, that they're fed, that they're like, there's, there's absolutely. Yep. 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 Um, So, yeah, no, in, in terms of if, if I had this operating environment to begin with, it definitely would have been hard. Do I think I would have made it? I don't think so. Um, only because I know there was some very late nights, some very long days and weeks. And to be honest, some of the days just blurred in together. Um, mm, mm. Some of the like months would have, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm yeah. sitting going five years. Wow. I really, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like yeah. only yesterday I was hitting the road for my first prospecting. Yeah, wonderful. Okay, all right. I'm excited about our conversation ahead. So let's um let's just take a quick pause. I'm going to jump into the results from uh from from last month and last quarter, and then we'll get back into our main conversation. As it's January, uh, that gives us the opportunity to have a look at our results from December at the end of last year, but not only that, also the December quarter as a whole. So let's start off with, as always, our salesperson for the month of December in terms of sides. Our number three position goes to Kirsten Benton, KB, of course, from King and Heath First National in Bairnsdale, Victoria, led by Chris Martin. Um, KB taking up the number three spot with 19 unconditional sides for the month. Well done, mate. Our number two position, Jane Finlay, Page and Pierce in Townsville, Queensland, led by Todd and Sue Pierce. Jane, congratulations to you. 20 sides gave you that number two position for the month. Well done. And once again, a congratulations to Jane receiving her diamond badge at the annual convention in Melbourne. So well done, Jane. Yet our number one spot, our salesperson of the month in terms of sides, for the month of December 2023, Chris Howlett. First National King and Heath, Bansdale, Victoria, led by Chris Martin. Chris Howlett, congratulations to you, mate. 33 unconditional sides for you for the month. Absolutely outstanding, mate. Well done. Let's take an opportunity, a couple of shout outs for some first timers joining us in the top 20. First of all, our number nine position goes to Josh Iglesias from Nicholas Scott Real Estate, Yarraville, Victoria, led by Nick Scopoulos. Josh, congratulations on your number nine ranking, mate, with 13 unconditional sides for the month for you, mate. Unreal stuff. And also in our number 19 position, Ellie Love, Johnson Real Estate, Ipswich, led by myself, Adam Horth. Ellie, congratulations on getting yourself into that top 20 with eight unconditional sides for the month of December. Absolutely outstanding. 
Let's stay on salesperson of the month, but now pivot to dollars. So unconditional gross dollars for the month of December 2023. First of all, our number three position, yet again, Kirsten Benton, First National King and Heath. Kirsten brought in $128,448. Sensational. Our number two position, Joshua Schweitzer, Johnson Real Estate in Ipswich, once again led by myself. Josh did an incredible $136,000. $360 for the month. Yet, taking out that number one position, Jimmy Wheeler, Calandra City Realty in Calandra, led of course by Ben Price. Jimmy, congratulations, mate. $174,257 for the month of December, giving you that number one ranking. Well done, mate. Couple of shout outs again for our first timers in the top 20. We actually have four of them. So, Respectively, positions number 17, 18, 19, and 20 are in this order. First of all, Yvonne Way from First National Real Estate in Waverley City, led by Jessica Chia. Congratulations to you, Yvonne. $73,205 put you into that number 17 position. In our number 18 position, again, Ellie Love, Johnson Real Estate at Ipswich, led by myself. Ellie brought in $71,020 for the month. Number 19, Kelly Patworth, One Agency Surf Coast in Torquay, led by Sean O'Callaghan. Kelly, welcome to the top 20, $69,171 for yourself. And coming in at that number 20 position, Chris Howlett. First National King and Heath and Bansdale, led by Chris Martin. Chris, $67,260, bringing you into the top 20. So congratulations to all of our salespeople for their rankings in both sides and dollars throughout the month of December. Let's look now at our BDMs and our number three position goes to Monique Inglis, Ironbridge Real Estate in Christchurch, led by Adam Smith. Monique, congratulations, 17 new managements for you for the team for the month, well done. Our number two position, Cherie Goodwin, Calandra City Realty in Calandra, again, led by Ben Price. Cherie also brought in 17 new managements for her team, absolutely fantastic. Yet, we've got a new number one ranking, first time in the number one position, and that is Brittany Boffo from Johnson Real Estate Property Management here in Southeast Queensland, led by Tracy Lake. And Brittany brought in 22 new managements for the month of December, giving her that number one ranking. So congratulations to you, Brittany, fantastic stuff. And we also want to give a shout out for our prospectors. Our number one ranking for the month went to Nicholas Oates from Page and Pierce in Townsville. Again, led by Todd and Sue Pierce. Nick was able to produce eight listings for his team in his role as a sales associate in his office. So congratulations to you, Nicholas. A really great December there, mate. Eight listings in December, always worth um, worth recognizing. You know, you, it's still a month that you can get such high performance out of the month, so well done to you. Let's wrap up the results by having a look at our quarter as a whole. So once again, we're gonna go back to salesperson now of the quarter, and again, looking in terms of sides. So our number three position for the quarter, Joshua Schweitzer, Johnson Real Estate in, in Ipswich, led by myself. Josh did a total of 48 sides for the December quarter, giving him that number three ranking. Well done, mate. Absolutely love that consistency. 
Uh, Jane Finlay, number two position for the quarter. Again, Paige and Pierce in Townsville led under Todd and Sue Pierce. Jane brought in 51 sides for the quarter. Yet, our number one position goes to also our improver of the year. This young man won improver of the year at the Australasian Real Estate Awards back in November. That is, of course, Ethan Hennessy from Dignam Real Estate in Bulleye, New South Wales, led by Adam McMahon. Ethan, congratulations, mate. 54 sides for the December quarter, giving you that number one spot. Absolutely fantastic. I just want to give a quick shout out to our number 10 position, Helena Waite. Helena, of course, um, was a a guest on the podcast a couple of years ago. The episode was titled Prospecting with Purpose, and it was off the back of her winning Prospector of the Year. But she's since transitioned into sales with Paige and Pierce, and it's Helena's first time in the top 20 for the quarter and her number one position on the back of 34 sides for the quarter. So congratulations to you, Helena. Great work. And if we just round out the results with salesperson of the quarter in terms of dollars, our number three ranking again goes to Joshua Schweitzer. Josh brought in $405,980 for the quarter. Our number two position, Jimmy Wheeler, Calandra City Realty led by Ben Price. Jimmy brought in 413356 which is just great. But I have to say, our number one ranking, a clear out the front, there's a big gap between number one and the rest of the field. Ethan Hennessy, once again, from Dignam Real Estate in Bulleye, led by Adam McMahon. Ethan, congratulations to you, mate. $548,000 brought in for you for the, uh, for the December quarter, mate. An absolutely phenomenal figure. Congratulations to you. Our final shout outs in the results go to Rob Schroeder and Suzanne Mailey, respectively in rankings number 13 and 14 for the quarter, both coming out of the same office, Johnson Real Estate and Winner Manly, led by Gareth Myers. Congratulations, Rob and Suzanne, both of you first time in the top 20 for the quarter in terms of dollars. Rob bringing in $230,600 and Suzanne just behind him on 230,182. Gotta love that um, that competitiveness, gotta love that consistency within the office. So congratulations to you both. Congratulations to everyone um, for the results. There was just some outstanding results across the board for both the month of December and the December quarter. So a really big congratulations to everyone. Kimberly, so uh, we've named this episode "Small Town Big Results." Okay, so let's let's define both of those things for for our listeners. So, small town, give us give us the lay of the land of Cobram. What what um, how many people? Give us the rundown of, of what constitutes a small town. Um, look, I guess what well, small town rumors go around like wildfire so you don't want to do anything wrong <laughs> yes um, no so so i guess cobram we are a small rural country town we mainly focus on your you know your farming of the land um we do have a couple of you know general retail stores but they're only small we are growing we'll mm-hmm. hands down 
we are growing. Um, we did just get KFC. Is that oh, fantastic. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Lunch on the run. Um, so it is, it is definitely growing. If you looked at Cobram as an individual town, we are quite small. Um, we average, you know, anywhere from that sort of 6,000 to 8,000 people. As an mm-hmm. area that we do cover, um, you'd be looking more up to, you know, your 15 to 20 pushing our boundaries as to our, our area that obviously we cover. That you cover. But obviously with that comes, um, obviously geography starts to play a part in that. And so for oh. you to expand, you're talking, yes. oh, would it be uncommon for you to drive a couple of hours to a listing? Is that the sort of thing that you would find? Um, look, I I personally tend to keep as much as I can within an hour to an hour and a half. Um, majority of our area on average is within that sort of 45 minutes to an hour. Um, every now and then we'll get one that tips over, you know, to an hour and a half, hour 45. I normally wouldn't push out to the two hour mark just because knowing full well um, to do a buyer appointment to do, you know, building and pest, things like that, it's, it's going to take up half a day to yes. get there and back. Um, if we're doing a block of land or developments and things like that, a bit different, we will definitely have a little bit more uh, area to push through. Um, mm-hmm. But when it comes to actually a home, we tend to stick more within that sort of hour if we can, but out to about that hour and a half is sort of hour and 45. And as you say, what you're doing there is you're, you're being mindful of your your productivity levels because, you know, uh, as you say, you're listing two hours away. That's four hours of just travel time before you've achieved yeah. anything. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, the other half of that is big results. So, as we said before, you're a platinum badge salesperson and you, let's just talk in averages, you're probably averaging gross commissions of about half a million dollars every year. Would that be about right? Uh, if I'm being honest, I tend not to look at my my figures, like yep. actual figure figures. Um, I look more at my monthly, you know, how many listings do I have on the board? You know, I look at it more broken down as a month to month or quarter. Yes. I tend not to look at the whole year only okay. because I do then go, wow, oh, my God, that's huge. Okay. I And then I almost get scared. I scare myself because it's Yeah, so right. Okay. <laughs> Terrific. It does. It absolutely <laughs> does. Definitely down to the quarter. Yes. <laughs> I don't tend to look much more than the quarter. Right. Well, I, I have had a look at your figures, and so I can tell you that they are your averages, but I like that insight. So let's talk about that then. So if we're talking, you know, because the theme of this podcast, it's a theme of of smarter training is high performance. You are you are a high performer, but as you say, you're not looking, and if you put it in sporting terms, you're not interested in the season as a whole. You're looking at at this game ahead this weekend. So when you're breaking it down into, into months there, how are you defining like what constitutes a good month for Kim? Is it is it sales? Is it listings? Is it dollars prospecting? What's your your major metrics that you're focused on? Um, look, it definitely changes from month to month. I would say at the moment because I'm lacking in them, listings hands down. Okay. More listings. Um, I did actually have a conversation with Andrew just before um, Christmas, and again when we got back, saying that my primary focus is listings. I need more. I cannot get enough through the books at the moment. Um, obviously, now, do you I- need more? If I can clarify that, do you need more because you've run out of them or because everything is just selling and you know, you're in a, in a prime position to, to capitalize? Um, a little bit of both. We are listing, they are selling 
fairly quickly if obviously they're priced correct. Um, We obviously have a few with the changing market that people are going, no, no, my house is worth more. You know, we've got some people that are just like, nope, this is my price. I'm staying stuck. If I don't get this, I won't move. Um, So I guess we still have a few of those lagging ones, those more, you know, C-grade vendors. Yep, absolutely. Um, So I've got a few of them. Essentially, I'm looking at it going, the more A-graders that I can get, the more B-graders that I can work with, long-term is going to bring in more dollars. So for me right now, I want to see more listings on the board, knowing that I still have Andrew and Jono there going, oh, look, I can sell one of Kim's. And I'm like, yes, good. Go do my job for me. (laughs) (laughs) So Um, I'll take my 60%. You guys go do that. Yeah. 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 But I, my, my primary focus right now, and I, I won't be afraid to say, you know, Hey, Andrew, look, I've got a buyer appointment, but I'm out prospecting. Um, Mm. I did have it the other day. Jono is currently away where I am helping him and I did give up a little bit of my prospecting time I felt so bad right. <laughs> I was like no 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 my focus is prospecting so I actually said to him I said look I will help when I can in my designated time slots but I will not do them in my designated prospecting time yes. slot um so it is very much at the moment I'm very much focused on my listings um knowing that my sales and numbers will follow obviously depending on the month and the quarter. So a couple of things there I'd like to to double down on a bit. So first and foremost, you're focused on listings and because everyone is different, but for Kimberly, you then default to, right, I've got to go prospecting for those listings. So you're you're not going to Andrew and saying, what more marketing can we do to get more leads into the office? You're taking that responsibility and going, what can Kimberly do? Is that right? Yeah, very much so. I I guess we are moving forward. So we have taken on, obviously, you know, a lot more marketing. It is in our yearly plan to improve our marketing. Um, yes. I've sort of sat back and gone, okay, well, we are already working on that. So why am I going to put more focus into doing something that, that we're already doing as a team? I'm going to go do my own groundwork. Yeah. Um, I guess if you know if, if our social media is on on peak, if we've got our letters and our flyers going out correctly, the only thing that's really lacking to people then is actually the face that they see behind that. And I want that to be my face and and our office. So if it's not our office out there and we've got runners, well, it's not us. So yeah. that's where I want them to remember us as an office or me specifically. Excellent. Excellent. I love that. Um, the other thing you said there is um, designated prospecting time slots. You just, those right. words just tumbled out. So um, tell me about that. So with your your planning that you're doing, obviously you're, you're, you're blocking out that time for prospecting. Are you doing that on a daily basis? Is that your, you map out the week ahead? Or what what time frames are you ma- find yourself mapping out? Um, so towards the end of last year, we actually sat down as an office and picked what we have as a prospecting day that we do as an office. Yes. Um, so that for us is Thursday. Thursday okay. locked out unless we have um, urgent buyer appointments or we have listing appointments. That is our prospecting day. So that's when we're hitting the phones predominantly um, on Thursday. I. For me, when 
I can't do just Thursday. I need more. Um, so I actually sort of put in there Monday as well. Mm-hmm. I went, you know, start of the week. I've just come back from the weekend. You know, I had Sunday off. What am I going to do on Monday? My Mondays have always been fairly quiet. So I went in, in terms of appointments. So yes. I went, okay, Monday, I'm actually going to get out on those doors. I'm going to, you know, if I didn't get through the area that I wanted to on last Thursday through phones, I'm going to phone the rest of them. I'm going to have a plan in place that I put in on the Friday for my Monday, knowing that I have Mondays and Thursdays as my primary prospecting days. Now that doesn't mean come Tuesday, Wednesday and Friday, I don't prospect. It's it's a never ending thing that I do. So, Mm -hmm. you know, after hours when I have fed up and I'm home, if I'm not doing appointments, I'm prospecting in between appointments. Um, you know, I did a trip to an area that I don't normally go to on a weekly or, you know, fortnightly basis. I went, you know what, while I'm here, I'm going to spend the next hour just door knocking these streets that I am not familiar with, or when I say not familiar with, I haven't been seen. I know the streets I've spoken to them, but they haven't seen me in a while. Um, so it's, it's working my day around to go, yeah, okay, I might be busy on appointments, but at what point do I have half an hour up my sleeve to go knock on half a dozen doors? Yeah. So it's utilising that time in those days that aren't necessarily my prospecting days. So if I can offer some language around that, um, would would I be right in saying what what you've done with your plan is for you, definitely Thursdays, but the majority of Mondays as well. Prospecting yep. is your priority task for those days, primary task. And for every other day, it's your default task. It still exists every other day. But yeah, that's okay. Right. I, I really, and what does that enable you to do from a volume perspective every week? How many conversations would you be having roughly on a weekly basis with prospects? So I guess in terms of actual conversations on a weekly, like if you said just one of my prospecting days, I won't stop before I hit about 130, 140. Conversations people spoken to. Love it. Yes. That is is including those ones that, hi, it's Kim from Curler Real Estate. Oh, my God, they hung up on me. Okay. But they answered, right? So that's including those ones. Absolutely. My name yeah, not not necessarily 140 <laughs> deep and meaningful conversations, but no, 140 correct. connects. Yeah, yes, great. Correct. Um, okay. And keep in mind that if I if I haven't reached that in the office, I will phone through for those couple of hours at night. And for mm. me, I don't know why, but I think because everything else has been put to bed, my day is finished. I've calmed down. I've got a full belly. The phone is. I like talking. The phone. Okay. Is my way of relaxing. <laughs> love it. Well, true salesperson, you love talking to people. So if you're doing that two days a week, so you're talking roughly there 270 to 280 conversations just in those two days, other days as well. What are we talking total? Are we, are we 350, 400 region? Look, Monday can be a little bit lower, though I tend not to get quite as many. I will do as my best to make up on phone calls later in the afternoon or if it gets too hot or if I'm at home. Um, But on average, majority of my other days, I don't talk to anyone. uh, Sorry, if I don't talk to a number under sort of you said you're 45, 50. Mm. Um, But that 
that is very much um, that could be anyone from a buyer that I'm booking in an appointment to. Yeah. That could be an old vendor that has sold their home and I'm just giving them a quick call, you know, six months down the track to say, hey, you know, just wondering, have you settled into your new house? Yeah, no dramas. You know, how's the kids? Great, beautiful and gone. Um, it's it's one of those things that that my my prospecting on my my default days yes. comes into my everyday conversation. Yep, yep. Does so you, you, it absolutely so does. You, on on Mondays and Thursdays, you're sitting there, you're prospecting, you're counting. On on every other yes. day, you're just speaking to as many people as you can, and, and maybe it's a buyer inquiry, maybe it's an established client, maybe it's a prospect, but they all sort of, you know, there's been about fifty conversations that have taken place. Yeah, yeah, and and even then, like fifty might be pushing it for some of those really busy days where I've got yeah. appointments from nine o'clock till you know five o'clock. Um, yeah. But realistically, I, I'm looking at it going that would be my my target if I can get to talk to those people. I'm not ringing them up going, hey, do you want to sell your house? It's yeah. a, hey, I'm touching base, don't forget about me, think about me in the future conversation, not a, uh, I'm forcing you to sell. <laughs> yeah, not, not yeah, are you, why aren't you yeah. putting the house in the market? It's remember, Kim's here, if you need anything, give me a bell. I, I, think, I think there for our listeners what they can take away from that is, you know, we, we don't have a specific number there, but I think we can confidently say, you're having 300 prospecting specific conversations a week, oh, possibly more, but ease, hands down, easily hands that. Down 300, yeah. And yet, one of the one of the things that you get as a as a principal, as the leader of an office, is your people coming to me and saying, "We've spoken to everyone. Like we've just we, we've exhausted the area. We've called everyone, and yet you're in an area that." you know, has 6,000 people, which is only probably about three or 4,000 houses, and you can expand it out a bit, yet some other people are in an area where they've got 30, 40,000 households to choose from. So obviously there, there's a mind there's a mind shift there from that high-performance perspective of that it doesn't necessarily have to be, as you said there, when are you selling the house, but a constant conversation of it's Kim from the real estate, how are you going, don't forget about me. It is one of those things that, you know, I don't, I, I know we are limited with our numbers. So it's not, I don't want to harass people, but I want them to know I'm always there for I, anything. I love, I love that that's the case. Cause I was, you know, you, and you can vouch for this. We, we go into these conversations. I haven't sort of done any pre-qualifying. I don't know what your answers are going to be. I, I said at the beginning, I don't want the winning ways answers. I want the Kim Carpenter answers. I love yes. the fact that in that small town, high performance for use, volume is still a big part of that. And you, rather than using a smaller number of households as an excuse, you've simply adapted to how do I change those conversations to make sure that, as you say, I'm not harassing people, but I'm still connecting with, with the right amount of people. Yeah. And I guess the easiest way to put it was, you know, in terms of say, you know, our scripts, looking at mm -hmm. our scripts. Mm -hmm. Monday and Thursdays for me, I will sometimes pick a script. I will still go back to that literally word for word. It's written out in front of me so mm -hmm. I can get through my numbers. But on my my days where I'm out doing appointments, it's more of a casual just touching in how you're going, how the kid's been, you know, Love it. whatever it might be. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. So again, if we use terminology from winning ways, Mondays and Thursdays, they are your fresh prospecting days. Your other days are your follow-up prospecting days. So Correct. yeah. Okay. 100%. Wonderful. Yeah. That's um that gives us a good picture of of where you're at at the moment. If I can take you back again four or five years, and I want to talk to you about building building momentum because one of the things that I'd really love for some takeaways is those people listening to this who are in a small town themselves or in that as you say that that community where gossip spreads like wildfire and that that it's important um, to be very mindful of that. So. What were those early days like in terms of you building your initial momentum and people who might have known, well, I know Kimberly was good at, at Bunnings, but that doesn't mean she can sell my house. Like what sort of challenges did that throw up for you? Um, surprisingly, I wouldn't say when people recognised me, it wasn't a case that it was ever a downfall. If someone recognised me, it, nine times out of ten, I mean, I'm not a very negative person. So normally the experience was positive. Yes. Um, I've yes. never really had those negative experience for people to go back and create rumors. Um, <laughs> but when I guess in terms of it, probably my personal biggest hurdle that I had to overcome was I am, I, I was still am a young female. So okay. being a young woman going out, in a, a typically male-dominated industry or, or has been over the years, um, not so much now, but obviously understanding that once upon a time it was, we do have a very um, retirement-based area through our, you know, I guess through the townships that we have, a lot of people retire. So we do have that older older generation that go, oh, no, 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 I must, I must see a male. Yes. I must see the boss. I don't want, I got called, you know, an assistant. I mm. was the secretary. I was never the sales agent. Um, mm. And that was hard to overcome. And to be honest, it is something I still face today on a daily basis. Um, okay. People are still coming. I don't want to talk to Andrew. I don't want to talk to Kim because she's a girl or because she's not the boss or <laughs> whatever mm -hmm. it might be. Um, so I guess that was my biggest hurdle coming in, um, in terms of my, my language and my, my scripts and things like that to build up that momentum. It was very much get in front of as many people as I can with as little resistance as possible. Okay. So explain that for me, like expand on that for me, please. Now. Okay. So when I first started, there had been a couple of people previous to me that didn't quite cut it um, in real estate. They came in, they couldn't handle the prospecting. They, you know, they just, they couldn't devote that time to it um, or just weren't good at it. And they sadly passed on to the next job. Um, I had a number of people go, oh, you're just coming here to ask me if I want to sell my house. Well, I'm not selling my house. Go away. Right. Don't want to see you. Yeah. I do come up with a lot of that. And, and to be honest, even if they haven't seen someone, some people do take offence to it. So it was very much me learning how to read who I was facing, who was standing in front of me on the other end of the phone and going, okay, this person, I can ask them. I can be a little bit more direct. The next person, I'm just introducing myself. I'm not here to ask you any questions. I'm actually here to offer my help. Is there any jobs you need done around the house? I have some contacts that 
do things a little bit quicker for us because we are a company. And I would offer help rather than ask them questions. Yeah, right. Excellent. And so did you find that it was a, a large volume of prospecting early on, You was that better equipped you to properly read that play and interpret who, because that, that could change from door to door to door. Like you, you're having one conversation and the next one's completely different. So is that and, what it was? It, yeah. So for me, it was very much one, one door completely different to another. The more doors I got in front of, the more body language I learned to read, the more, you know, the tone in the voice, the way they looked at me through their eyes. Like, you know, you know, when you look at someone's eyes and you can go, oh, they're not happy. Yes. Well, okay. <laughs> and you know what's interesting about that? You can't do that over the phone, can you? No, can't look at someone's eyes over the phone. So no. do you did you find yourself doing more doors in the early days? Personally, I did, yes. Yeah, um, okay. I know that it may have diminished my numbers, but mm-hmm. I found I understood people, they understood me better, um, and I found that I learnt so much quicker out on the doors. If it was pouring down with rain, things like that, of course, I'm going to stay in and I'm going to make phone calls. Um, when I was on the phone, it was very much their tone of voice, how they answered, you know, could I pick up on them? Um, and and sometimes it was a case of, okay, they're having a bad day. They answer them with pho- the phone with, who are you and what do you want? Okay, yes. well, I'm not going to say, do you want to sell your house? <laughs> If we can well continue yeah. <laughs> um, it, it would be a case of more, you know, look, I'm just reaching out. We've found that, you know, tradies in the areas are, are lacking to get back to people. We're offering that we might be able to help. Wonderful. And I would use that as a big thing all the time. I love that. I, 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 I can't remember ever you know, consciously having that as a strategy. And I think that that's really clever because what you're doing is you're, you're transforming what could be an abrupt and negative conversation is to purely a value add. I want nothing. I'm new to the industry. How can we help you? So that's, I, I love that. I think a lot of people can, can take some, something from that. Um, I had a question. Can I go back on, um, the young female point that you made, okay? Can you remember when you transitioned into going into the lounge room, listing your own leads, those sort of things? Um, can you ever remember actually losing a listing based on that, that they actually said to you, you know, even though you're here because you're a, at the time a 23, 24-year-old female, you're not getting our business. Do, do you remember that actually happening? I do, yeah, yeah. Okay, and, can and you tell us about that? Um, so very early on, the very first time it happened to me, I went in and I felt them being really guarded and, and held back. Um, and everything, I, I guess everything in my body told me it's okay. You, you can break through this. Like you want to impress your boss. You want to get the listing. You want to do this. And I, I do remember them at the end of the listing. Um, and I, and I mean, I spent probably three and a half hours with them like I I wanted this and it got to the point where I I was sort of clutching at strings to see if I could get them to open up um and I I pretty much turned to them I said look I'm getting the juice like a you're not listening to me b you're just not giving me anything can I ask why because on the phone you said you wanted to list your house and you wanted to sell it Mm -hmm. I'm giving everything to do that but you're not giving me anything back and they said, 
we were expecting someone more mature. And I went, okay, I'll get Andrew to come in. This was going back obviously a few years ago. It got to the point where I ended up getting Andrew to go around and from memory we secured the listing, we sold it, and I think I actually sold it, um, (laughs) which was quite funny. Um, I think I sold it, but we didn't tell them that Um, (laughs) because they had developed this image of me that I was too immature, I wasn't able to handle their biggest asset. And I fully get that. Mm-hmm. I can't say I want my biggest asset in some little girl's hands. Okay. Really. Yep. I saw where they were coming from. Um, was it ever a change? Did it ever disappear? No. No, it, okay. it, it doesn't. Um, only a couple of weeks prior to Christmas, I had one that they rang up. They said we want to have a salesman come out. Mm-hmm. I was the only person in the office. They popped him through to me and he was like, I asked for a salesman, not a saleswoman. Right. And I went, okay, radio. I managed to get him to a point where I said, look, I can book you in at this time with Andrew or Jono. Otherwise, I'm more than happy to come around at this time if you're willing to let me in. It got to the point where he did actually let me around. I was there maybe 15, 20 minutes. I politely said to him, I think if you can make time, I'd rather Jono or Andrew to come. I pulled up on that one because I knew if I had a push, we would never have seen them again. Okay. Okay. So it still happens. So in in the case that it does for those, and let's say for those, you know, women or even young women, whatever it is that that are facing that sort of um, objection, obviously what, what you've been able to do, and please tell me if I'm wrong in how I'm interpreting this, there are instances where you're better equipped now to read the play and pivot as as needed. Um, yes. You know, you, you told that story five years ago, it took you three and a half hours to have that conversation. Two weeks before Christmas, took you 15 minutes to read that play. So that's yes. going to happen. So what you're accepting of there is there are always going to be that person who, who wants that. Okay. On the flip side of that, though, how do you harness that and turn it into a strength? When, when, how do you go? This is why you want me and not. And let's not talk Jono and Andrew. This is why you want me and not one of my competitors. Why you want me looking at? How do you? How do you use that to your advantage that you are a now young single female? <laughs> um, it's very dependent on the person. I mean, some people I will physically not get them to even remotely come around to the idea. Um, mm-hmm. To be honest, even if I do get them signed up, I don't really want them because they're never going to trust me is okay. the other side. Yeah, it's just it's, it's, not, it's you're making a rod for your own back. Yeah, I'm, I'm literally sitting there going they're going to give me more hell than mm-hmm. any positive outcome. Um, it's not going to be worth my hours and dedication to this person who's just going to belittle me, drag me down, get my attitude off peak and then I'm going to lose other stuff because I'm not feeling confident in me. Um, So there is very much that I'm not afraid to say, look, they're not suited to me. We do work as a team, so I will hand them over to someone else. Um, If I feel like I can get them to come around, my strength in that would be more the fact that I am young. I am up to and, and more knowledgeable about the way we market, the way we use the digital platforms, the way that I communicate with someone is completely different to someone who is stuck in the old ways. Now, that can be quite 
you know, you've got to say that in the right way. That's right. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Completely. But it is, it is very much like I, and I do push to them that I work, I work with people that are looking at buying their first home at 18, 19, 20. Um, and I deal with people that are moving into their last home that they're downsizing. And I'm able to get along with everyone. Whereas particular agents do struggle who are stuck in the old ways to actually have communications with the younger generation. Um, I do focus on that side of it. Um, If they're, if they're quite concerned that I'm not going to work hard, if they have that image that the younger generation isn't hardworking, that they don't have any, any want to do good essentially. Um, it, It is something that I sort of go, and I'm not afraid to open up and say, well, look, actually, I'm in a position where I actually need your business to keep afloat. And I'm not afraid to say that. Mm-hmm. I, I will actually completely open up and go, you know, for them to trust me sometimes, I need to discuss my mortgage. Yeah, I'm not afraid to tell them, tell them how much I owe to the bank. I'm not afraid to explain that I'm doing it on my own and that for me to keep all of my, my dream. I need to sell your property at the highest price I can in today's market. And they go, oh, God, she actually has to sell it. So let's trust her, depending on the person, very, very oh, much. Always. every I mean, every presentation is, but I, I love it. And that was, I didn't know what the answer was, but I was. I, I knew there'd be an answer there, like how you flip that and, yeah. and, and demonstrate to them that, no, this is why you want me because, I'm I'm so aware, and and you're absolutely right. Real estate was traditionally a male-dominated industry, but it's not now. It's not, and and I think being able to tap into and give examples to to younger people and women about how like they can flip that on its head and and transform people's perspectives around that. I think that's really that's really great. I, I want to. Because I'm I'm not a politically correct person. That's not how you would describe me. But I'm very conscious of what I say, and, and I'm I'm understanding of other people's perspectives. But for you, I, I I'm talking here again, young woman, high performer. What do you think? Like, what do you actually think about the people that do have those attitudes towards you that don't want to work with you? Is it? Do you think that they're ignorant, or do you think that it's just the way they are? How do we manipulate around? Like, what? Where are you coming from with that? Nine nine times out of ten, I actually pity them. I, I know that sounds sort of. I, I do. I sit there and I go, if it's not me and my skills and my knowledge that they're losing out on, imagine everything else that they're losing out on in life. Mm. It could be someone helping them out at the grocery store. It could be someone helping them in the doctors. It could be they they could literally just walk down the street, go to cross over the road, and someone offers a hand and they go, no, I'm not helping. It, it's that. It, it's the fact that I actually feel pity for those people yeah. that can't see that I, I'm I want to help them and I will go above and beyond to give them the best outcome I can. And if if they can't see that, I feel more sorry for them than anything. Right. Wonderful. No, that's <laughs> that's yeah, no, it does because I mean I I can imagine not you for a second, but I can imagine people 
taking offence, um, um, victimising themselves over them. Like, oh, my God. And, and once again, just like the example we gave before, there's less houses, so there's less prospecting. There's more barriers, so there's less business. But you're flipping the script on your perspectives. You are, you know, and it says it in the manual, but rather than your world, um, like you being a product of your environment, your environment is a product of you. And that's what you're doing. You're yeah. making sure that you are in complete control of that. I love and it. I love it. I'm always staying positive. If I don't stay positive, like I said, I will go backwards, hands down. So everything I look at, I try not to put a negative spin on it. If I lose something, that's okay. It's it's going to happen. And I go, well, how could I have changed that? And could I have changed it? Mm. Could I have convinced them otherwise? If I could have, I use that as a learning curve. I don't discipline myself and crack the shits. If if it's something that I couldn't change, I take that and go, I did my absolute best. Do that again. Keep going. So I, I just try and look at the positive. I try and stay out of the negative. Love it. Love it. There's one more topic I want to discuss with you um, in this in our time together, if I can. And again, it comes back, we've we've danced around it a couple of times, but I want to come back to small town. I want to come back to reputation. And and I want to speak to you about how you're ever conscious of, and you know, we said it before, the gossip, but how you're ever conscious of everything that I do with these people, a lot of people are going to hear about it, the good, bad, or otherwise. But then also, if you can give us an insight to those sellers that you take their property to market, it's not going to sell, how you sort of move them on and, and withdraw their property, whatever you do. But, but keep your reputation intact. So what are some of the things that you, Andrew, John, are always conscious of as Kerr Real, Real Estate? Um, I guess from my side of things, I know definitely in terms of Andrew and Jono, and, and I guess in there it is it is in, in my mind, um, but it's not something I tend to focus on. At the end of the day, I want to build the trust with the client. I become a part of the family. I become a friend. I I am definitely someone who, if I'm connected in some way to that person, I will find it. Okay. I will find it right down to their favorite color. If that's if that's the only thing they're connected on, that's what I will find. Um, if I want to build that trust and that sort of when I say friendship, I'm not talking about, you know, going out for dinner. I'm talking about that professional friendship that they can call me at any time. I can call them at any time. You know, it's one of those things that we actually welcome the conversation. We welcome any form of discussion and I'm a part of their life just as much as they are part of mine professionally. Um, so when it comes to those conversations, if they're not prepared to move the property's price, if they're not looking, you know, if they're not selling and we do need to look at withdrawing them, it is something that it comes quite easy for me because I have already built that connection with them and that trust with them. If I don't have the trust, it's just not going to happen. Um, so I guess in my mindset, I don't tend to worry too much about my reputation or our reputation because mm-hmm. it's not something I've ever really struggled with because I haven't had a negative experience with them, if that makes sense. So even taking their property off the market is not a negative experience. It's one of those experiences where 
we sit down and we go, okay, well, let's just change our track. Let's just change our plan. Is where you're going that important that you must get said price or that you're prepared to stay here for the next 12 months? Yeah. If you're prepared to stay here for the next 12 months, let's actually give the property a break for six. Let's take it off the market. Let's just sit tight for six months. In that six months, obviously, I'm still talking with them. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. But you're you're a part of the conversation. You're a part of their strategy, their decision around yeah. withdrawing. You're you're looking far enough forward that you're not waiting for them to sack you to go. No, you haven't done I, the job. Where, yeah, yeah. And I've even had properties where I have offered them things like, let's give it a, you know. I believe our best option, we've spoken about their plans and their direction. I've, you know, their best option might be to withdraw it from the market, but then we offer a hidden listing. Let's keep it on our books behind the scenes. So I guess in some ways they're signed up under an exclusive authority for the next however long Yes. as a hidden listing. So we haven't lost them. We're still working with them. They're still a list in my books. I still talk with them on a weekly basis to let them know that we haven't had any interest, but it is because, you know, we can only do so much behind the scenes. We're mentioning it, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess for me, a conversation like that is not hard to have Mm. because that trust is there. And I don't think about my reputation as such because it's all in the best interest of my client. And it's a conversation that they're open to have because of the trust we've built. I think the easy takeaway there for anyone is if you have a good reputation, you don't have to worry about that reputation. Like if you are genuinely interested in people and caring about people, then you don't have to worry about what anyone says because that's that's who you are. So that's, you know, and as self-evident as that might be, um, I think that that's a really simple takeaway for people. So, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, Again, if I can just... Put that in maybe some other words and for you to opportunity to disagree with me. But if I go through the, you know, think about it in terms of winning ways, you're cementing all of your relationships first and foremost in effective trust. And as you said, that's not that we're going to go out to dinner, we're going to hang out on the weekends, that sort of thing. It's just you like me, I like you, like as people. And then the the real estate side of it is built on top of that. A hundred percent. And I do going back to, I guess, being a young female, if I just went in and said, I'm here to sell your house, they knew nothing about me. So the trust wasn't there. The more they got to know me, the more they could see, I am going to work my butt off for them. Yeah. Yeah. They needed to see me as a human before they saw me as a business partner, realistically. Um, And I guess that's probably the easiest way to put it. For me, I understand Jono works very different, Andrew works very different, and we all do, but for me, that's how it functions best. Yeah, that's unreal. That's that's terrific. That really is. That's that's I love that. I love everything about that, <laughs> I've got to say. So um I want to I want to wrap up um our time together with with my three questions that I like to um to end end these interviews with. So um so just throwing them at you if I can. So question number one. Um What's the best book that you've read that's helped you in real estate? Um, Probably one of the first books Andrew ever gave me, apart from obviously the manual. Um, The manual definitely taught me a lot. I did 
pull that apart. However, in terms of a book to read outside of the manual, uh, The Greatest Salesman in the World. The Greatest by Og Mendino. Yes. Hands down, I have read that book front to back, back to front. I pulled that thing apart. I will read that in a couple of days and it puts me on track and I will read it and read it and read it and read it. Wonderful. Okay. Fantastic. A great book. I mean, absolutely. And if you, and you've got the scrolls within that book that you can come back to and you can read them and use them as affirmations. It's just, it's rock and roll. And it's so little that I can read it quick. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, um, there's a series of book called the go-giver books, but you're right. You can knock them over in a night and you feel really smart. Oh, I just read a whole book tonight. So yes. So yeah, I love it. and it's, I guess it's something that for those people that struggle reading, um, hmm. facts and things like that, it's a story yeah. and I'm so drawn to a story, but what I got out of that story was it, it literally set me on my path. It was a book that it, it, I essentially followed the path of, you know, the poor guy when I'm going to do this. And I did. I followed his direction. Love it. Excellent. Well, if you, and obviously the reason we asked that question, if you haven't read that book, go out and get that book. It uh, it might be the one that that changes things for you. So um, second last question, uh, what is some of the best advice you've been given since being in real estate that you find yourself leaning back onto a lot like you keep coming back to some of some of that advice um look there's obviously been a lot i have had a lot of advice um i'm not afraid to seek a lot of advice um look probably probably for me it, it, it would be sort of not advice that one person has given me it would be advice that I have taken from a number of people and put into my own advice if that makes Mm -hmm. sense yep Um, absolutely if I miss something or I'm having a bad day it's okay it is okay to miss something move on to the next one don't be afraid to pull your socks back up look at what you did wrong or look at what you could have done better and improve on that and always pick up my socks and keep going. So so pretty much it's okay. And there will be a next one and go chase it. Don't don't stop until you get it. So you're, you're letting yourself off the hook. You're allowing yourself to stuff something up. You want to learn from it, but you're you're not letting that define your day, your week, your whatever. It's just it is what it is. What's next? Yep. Feel whatever you need to feel. Give yourself a time limit and pull your socks up and go again. <laughs> Love it. Excellent. No, terrific. Um, my last one question for you, um, with the benefit of hindsight, knowing everything, you know, now about real estate, if you were given the opportunity, what would you go back and change? Um, look, that's a hard question because I, I don't look back and go, what would I change Mm -hmm. in terms of what I did? It -hmm. would be a case of what I could do more of. Okay. Okay. So I don't look back and go, no, I shouldn't have done that. Or no, I shouldn't have done this. It was a case of everything I did taught me something. So it's brought me to where I am today. So I'm yeah. once again, not looking at the negatives. I'm looking at the positives. Yes. Great. <laughs> um, if, if I had one thing that I could go back and do more of, it would probably be 
once again, building that trust with people. For me, that is something that if I don't have, I will not succeed. Um, so if I spoke to someone on the phone or I'd spoken them to them two or three times over the course of a year or whatever it might be, why don't I actually arrange a time to meet them yeah. and actually see them in person? If they're not selling their house in the next three years, that's not saying they won't sell their house in the next 10 so actually physically get in front of them. There were a few people that I had spoken to regularly. I had developed trust over the phone. I didn't meet them and they didn't sell with me because they had never met me. So they pictured me uh, or not pictured me as something else, but I guess actually physically meeting them would have just cemented things in my prospecting. So that's going back to prospecting. When I first started, I would have liked to have gotten in front of more people even um, after I'd developed a, a, some form of connection with them through a phone, an email, you know, Facebook, whatever it might have been, actually physically arranging to sit down and having a chat with them. I so, think it was um, I think it was Bill Nasby who said this or he might have said something similar and, and, I've, and I've, I'm saying it in a different way, but... He said something along the lines. So Bill Nasby, for those that don't know, Canadian real estate trainer, no longer with us, but he was he was a a if not the prospector of Canadian real estate. And he said, until they've shaken your hand, you're not a real person. And and I, I always I always like that until you've looked someone in the eye, shaken their hand, and said, "I'm Adam, I'm Kimberly," and you're having that. Until then, you are not a real person. So I, I like I like that sentiment. Yeah, and, and I would find that um, just from personal experience on that is that, you know, it, it happened more than once that people saw me as a person on the end of the phone, mm-hmm. not someone out doing the groundwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I met with them or I saw them or I went around and just dropped a card under their door and said, hey, I dropped in, sorry I missed you. They knew I was a human, not yep. just someone on the end of the phone. Yep, love it. Excellent. Kimberly, thank you so very much for, for your time today and, and talking so honestly about, about um your your career to date. If any of our listeners want to reach out to you, how can they how can they get a hold of you? What's the best way? Look, email, phone. Um, look, I'm even happy to provide my personal phone number if yep. if that's easiest. Um I do like to keep my work phone solely for my buyers and my vendors, yeah. even my office contacts me through my off- and my personal. So feel free if anyone does want that, I'm more than happy to provide that to you guys or, um, you know, send me an email and I can pop it through. I tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll put your email address in the show notes of this episode. So people will be able to see your email there. They can reach out to you there to begin with. And then, and then you can, you can flick them the number as you feel uh, comfortable. Yep, yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Great. Again, thank you so incredibly much. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I think that's um, our first episode of the podcast for, for 2024. We, we started off with a bang. So I'm wrapped for that. So thank you very much. Perfect. Thank you. Well, what a great interview with Kimberly that just was. Um, personally, I, I just got so much out of that. It, it's excited me for the guests that we have lined up on the podcast for the year. And um, a really, really, I think you would agree, a strong first episode for um, this now, our fourth season of the podcast. So 
again, Kimberly, on behalf of everyone, thank you so very much for um, for contributing to the podcast and adding to our uh, our community. And speaking of our community, we, of course, we'd like to re- end the podcast with a couple of things. So first and foremost, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do. Wherever you're listening to it now, that is where you can subscribe. So whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, wherever it is that you're listening to it, hit that subscribe button. And if you if you care to, we'd love for you to please leave a five-star review of the podcast and some thoughts that you have, some takeaways you have of it. This, this podcast is designed not only for you as members of the winner's circle, but also for the industry at large, because if, if we can get more agents joining our community of real estate agents, um, on based on our foundations of ethical and effective real estate strategies. Uh, if we build our community, that gives us the ability to help more home sellers, more landlords, more buyers, more tenants, everyone within the real estate space, we get to help them across Australia and New Zealand. So it might seem a little thing, but posting a review, more people getting eyeballs or ears, their ears around the podcast. Um, is going to help grow our community and and help our industry. So I'd love it if you did that. Speaking of helping our industry, if you need help, if you need to get a result over the line, if you're struggling with getting that listing together, if you've got a sale that's $5,000, $10,000, $20,000 apart, before you let that sale go, pick up the phone, ring the Winner Circle hotline, and, and reach out and, and talk to a member of our community that might be able to give you an idea to help put that sale together. I just want to give a shout out, Jason Hines, Tim Altaz, Peter Dunn, and Joanne Vines. They are our uh, sort of assisters on the hotline for the next uh, for the next month. So no matter who you get out of that group of four, you're going to get someone who knows how to list and sell real estate. They're high performing agents and they're going to be able to give some perspectives to help you get results and maybe some ideas you hadn't yet thought of. So that's the Winner Circle Hotline. Please do use that service. Uh, upcoming events for the year. Well, it's January. What's com- upcoming? Everything is upcoming, but really what, what's ahead for us immediately? I want to put on your radar Winning Ways in Sydney. So it's our first Winning Ways greatness of the year. We're in Sydney from Monday the 5th through to Wednesday the 7th of February. That is actually happening in Sydney CBD. Uh, It's going to be a a great three days. Myself, Peter Tran, Kirsten Benton from King & Heath uh, First National, which you've heard just in this episode, a current high performer within the industry. These, this is who's going to be gracing the stage to, to help you guys get better, to help you focus on the basics and learn some of those subtleties to give you the edge for 2024. So if, um, if you're planning on seeing two live winning ways this year, perhaps give some thought to making Sydney your first one of the year. So that's the 5th to the 7th of February. Uh, smarter management system. So we've got a four-day management uh, seminar happening uh, in again in Sydney from the 17th to the 20th of March. So in case you're thinking I've got those dates wrong, no, that is a Sunday through to the Wednesday. And the idea behind that is if you're able to, we're able to kick the seminar off on the Sunday as a leader, as a sales manager, perhaps as a high-performing salesperson attending the management seminar for the first time. Kicking off on a Sunday, the idea behind that is minimizing your time out of the office. So we'd love for you to join us in Sydney, also happening in the CBD, 17th to the 20th of March. So if uh, you're looking to get along to a management seminar, please, please consider coming along to that one. 
And it's a while away, but I just want to put on your radars early. We've got our half day masterclass series. That's not happening until May, but just so you're aware, um, they kick off from the 6th of May. So Monday, the 6th of May, we're in uh, Launceston in Tassie. Uh, Tuesday, the 7th, we're in Sydney. Wednesday, the 8th of May, Melbourne. And then Thursday, the 9th of May, we're in Brisbane. So uh, put those dates in your diary if you haven't got them yet. That's just some of our live events. But of course, we've got episodes of the podcast coming out before then. Our monthly training meetings through Smarter Training for members will recommence as of February. And there's plenty of stuff coming out between now and then. So thanks again for your time. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast. We've kicked off the year strong and I look forward to catching up with you either via the podcast or in person. Whoa.